0: Welcome back to Real Presence Live. This is Father Richard Kuntz along with Deacon John Foucault. We're coming to you from the Diocese of Duluth, Minnesota on this Real Presence Live morning. And we're going to, before we get to our next guest, we're going to actually just take a question from the last
1: segment really, really quickly. And so why don't you go ahead, Deacon John, and just read it sure. quick? Uh, from a teacher of 40 years, thank you for your service for that, uh, has lots of students who are confused about gender, and by the time the kids mature, they straighten out. But society keeps pushing this agenda yes, on them.
0: Yes, that's exactly what's happening. So the thing is that that's the demonic. That's that's the uh, um, that's truly demonic and an evil one. Uh, little kids, you know. I mean, I saw a meme not that long ago. I can't remember who did it, but but the meme said, "When I was a kid, I, I thought I was a pirate. I wanted to be a pirate." And thank thank heavens nobody went and had me take a surgery to cut off my leg to make a peg leg or take out one of my eyes. Kids have a great uh, um, uh, imagination, and when culture and society is just if pushing this on them like you can't get away from television commer- even commercials have, have it. everything is pushing towards this and so it's gonna young people's minds are so easily swayed and that's the satan and it's truly satanic when when we're saying okay our culture has swayed this child to think that there's something other now we're gonna cut them up yeah and cut their body parts up that's demonic and, and like I said the, before the break, it's like lawsuits are going to be coming in the not-too-distant not future, and I hopefully we'll see that come to an end. So, yes, protect your kids from the culture. You have to figure out your way of doing that. I can't answer that now because we have a great guest yes, waiting for us. So Kay Kiefer, is that how you pronounce your last name, Kay? It's actually Kiefer. Kiefer, sorry. I screwed up all the time. No, that's so, okay, K, okay, Kay Kiefer, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Sure. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on today. I really appreciate it. Um, uh, My name is Kay Kiefer. I'm a registered nurse, and I currently work in a local school district. Um, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, and a grandma, and I'm also a post-abortive woman. Um, In 2018, I founded a small nonprofit organization called We Are Everywhere, and this nonprofit ministry exists in order to expand awareness about the extent to which abortion can negatively impact women, particularly women in the church, and then to help those women find um, healing and wholeness, um, obviously, and we know that that is really only found in Christ.
1: You have a very interesting name for the organization, We Are (laughs) Everywhere. Tell us about how you came up with that.
2: Well, that name came about... With a group of women sitting around a kitchen table in a home just outside of Great Falls, Montana, in probably 2000, it was probably 2018. Um, I had invited a group of women over for brunch, and each one of those women had very different lives, but had one thing in common. Each person around the table had also had at least one abortion. And as we were talking that morning, you know, we realized (laughs) that. We looked around the table, and it's like, "Oh, you're a nurse. You're a teacher. You're a small business owner. Um, you're, you know, you lead a Bible study. You do this." It's like we are in our churches and in our neighborhoods and in our in our um, friend groups, and we're we're we are everywhere. Meaning, post-award of women are mm-hmm. everywhere, um, and often, however kind of hidden in plain sight because nobody knows most of the time so that's where the name came from
0: Kay, you said something in your introductory comments that kind of piqued my interest you said you use the term especially in the church Should I maybe unpack that a little bit that the that this um, ministry that you're doing is maybe geared especially to the, the those women
2: well you know um the statistics are staggering. I, you know, there's a statistic out there that I'm sure you're aware of that states that um, about one in four women will have at least one abortion by age 45 in the United States. One in four. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not a super pure statistic. Like there are sure. some things that aren't factored into it, but it's it's a it's an easy snapshot, a way to really try to wrap your mind around. Uh, the immense number of women we're talking about that are post-abortive. And also, um, there was a study done, I think in 2015, possibly, uh, and the the study looked at different demographic factors um, of women who were seeking or who had had an abortion. And 70% of the women in that study who had had abortions said their religious preference was Christian. <laughs> mm. And nearly half of those women were going to church at the time of their abortion. And I think I think the parameters of that question were like, they had been in church at least sure. two Sundays a month for an, a specific period of time. So, um, but I mean, and, that was me. I so, identified you know, myself as Christian, and I was going to church when I had my abortion. And, um, but, go ahead.
0: Well, I was going to say, in in some ways that doesn't surprise me, because there's a lot of Christian denominations that have no problem with abortion.
2: Very true. True. Very, very true. But um, there are women who um, find their ways back to a Catholic church, or in my instance, find their way to an evangelical Christian church, Um, churches where the truth of the Word is taught. The truth is taught that God is the creator of all life and that any any um, child that is conceived actually bears the image and likeness of Christ. And, and we are not to destroy that image. God himself is the only one to, you know, breathe life and to say when life is done. Um, so there are... A, a large number of women in the churches that do actually preach the truth about life and about abortion so that have you, had abortions.
1: You had a personal experience with abortion, if you're willing to uh, share it to whatever you're comfortable with, with us and our listeners.
2: Sure, sure. I, I would, I would certainly do that. I. Um, uh, it was the worst decision of my life. Um, however, I can also say that God is so faithful and true, and he, ha- he has just turned my life around. When I was 19 years old, I found myself in an unplanned pregnancy, and even though I identified with a Christian church, um, I went into panic mode. I was not married. My relationship at that time was a little rocky. And I could not imagine telling my parents that I was pregnant out of wedlock. And so I just went into damage control mode. I thought, I need to have an abortion. And so that's what we did. We drove together to the city where this could happen, and I I um, had that abortion all the time knowing in my heart that it was wrong. I, yeah, that just was a... Um, it was a tragic decision, and the, that very thing that I thought was going to fix my problem and put my life back in order and kind of push the reset button um, actually um, caused my life to kind of fall apart. Yeah. And I went, I went through some really dark times.
0: I I suspect that I suspect that your ministry, uh, we are everywhere, might be. Um, needed more than ever. And I, the reason why I say that is because at least in the Catholic Church now with you know, the ever-liberalizing of abortion, that in the Catholic Church we speak to it so often now that it's really got to make the women that have had the abortion experience feel even worse. I mean, I mean how, how, what was your experience after, after having the abortion and then going to your church and hearing about it all the time?
2: Well, my experience was actually the opposite. My experience was I never heard it spoken about. And so in my mind, it almost was like abortion was too big and too bad to ever even be spoken about in church. Um, I've started hearing about it in church more often, Um, and I think for clergy, I think that that does, it, it puts clergy in a difficult position, because you need to preach the truth about what abortion is, but you need to couple that message of truth with Mercy. grace and mm. mercy and love for those who have been impacted
0: any words of advice to those of us that are preachers <laughs> and clergy well
2: you know i think i always think the sandwich approach is not a bad thing i mean if you if you start with grace and love and mercy you then share the truth of the atrocity that is abortion and follow up with the reminder that what jesus did on the cross covers off.
0: Well, well, let me ask you, let me ask you this. So uh, again, from my standpoint as a as a clergy uh, that preaches on mm-hmm. this, I don't generally preach about abortion. I preach about, you know, voting for people that are going to liberalize it. And so so how would so, th- how how would I navigate that mercy aspect to talking about, you know, where our votes go in the abortion issue? Right. Cuz that's really I don't really focus on abortion in my homilies, but on mm-hmm. voting f- for it. So so how would you put right. the mercy the mercy component into that
2: well i think that um one thing that you can implore your parishioners to to engage they can definitely engage in prayer for those people that are running for office to have a change of heart for them to realize the truth of what abortion is and then in the next sentence you can say and I, kn- I know that there are likely people sitting in front of me today or listening to my message who have been impacted by abortion, either directly as the woman or the man who drove her or paid for it or the parent who agreed to it. you know And you need to know that there are, there are safe places within the church for healing and wholeness.
1: So the acknowledgement of it, which is hard to do from the pulpit, the acknowledgement of it and the embracing of the mercy for those that have been impacted by it. Don't be afraid of that, you're saying. Right. Yes. So, Kate, what led you to working with We Are Everywhere? What led you to this initiative, to the coffee with the other women and so (laughs)
0: forth? Well, we, you know, Kate. Okay. Actually, before you answer that question, we're going to take a really quick break, okay? And then, then sure. uh, we'll just re-ask the question on the other side of this break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Stay with us, folks. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network.
3: As Catholic people, we recognize our lives are gifts from God. Blessings received are a result of God's grace and goodness. Our Lord entrusts us to be good stewards of His many gifts. We are called to conduct lives that honor Him and bear witness to our faith in Jesus Christ. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio. As we begin a new year, let's reflect a moment on stewardship. Your life should provide an example to others in the way you live your faith the way you manage your possessions, and the way you plan your estate and personal affairs. You have spent a lifetime acquiring your assets and living your faith. Fortunately, we can provide you with an estate planning guide that allows you to put all of your important information in one place and enable you to document your intentions. To request an estate planning guide, please visit our plan-giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get
4: started. This is Father Anthony Craig from the Diocese of Duluth. I really want to thank my parents today for giving me the faith of Jesus Christ and teaching me the ways of prayer, praying over us uh, when we were sick, showing us uh, self-sacrifice. My father actually was a deacon, a permanent deacon in the church, and he would bring us along as kids, because there were six of us kids, and he would bring us along to hospital visits or to work in the food shelf and doing all these various things for people in the community. And I learned ways of serving others through that, through watching my dad and then my mom. She also was very self-sacrificial of herself. She wore the same pair of tennis shoes for about 10 years to show us that she didn't care about herself as much as the rest of us. And we got new shoes for every school year. We had all of what we needed and most of what we wanted. And the the Lord really provided a, a great example in my parents to show me the way to really Christian servitude and prepared me for the priesthood.
0: You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. You are, in fact, listening to Real Presence Live. We're coming to you from the Diocese of Duluth, Minnesota, on the campus of St. James... School, well, it's not St. James, it's Stella Mars. It's Stella Mars, Academy exactly. On the campus. Of St. James Parish. <laughs> All right, and so right before the break, Deacon John asked Kay a question. And I'm going to have him re it.
1: Great. So, Kay, in your personal experience with the abortion, how did that experience lead you to working with where we are everywhere, the organization?
2: Sure. Uh, so, as I was having conversations like the one I talked about around my kitchen table <laughs> with other women who had had abortions, um, I, I noticed some very common themes I noticed that many of us who have who had abortions in our past didn't talk to anybody at church about it had rarely talked to pastors about it um, because we were so scared we, we were worried we were we were so fearful of the judgment of other people and and even the judgment of, of our clergy of our pastors and our priests and um, I started to think about the fact that post-abortive women are, as I said, kind of hidden in plain sight. Uh, from the outside, we look like we've got it all together most of the time. We, you know, we, we look like everybody else. We don't have a scarlet letter emblazoned on our forehead, even though it feels that we do at times. And we're really good at hiding um, that deep, dark, ugly secret inside of us. And, you know, I I know a woman named Kim Catola. She's a Christian author and writer, and she wrote a book called Cradle My Heart um, about her own healing from past abortion. And she came up with this statement that I think is so powerful. She wrote, abortion is a public health crisis The church is uniquely positioned to address. Mm -hmm. And when you think about it, the church was the original um, place or the, the Church was the original organization or the original body that developed health care and social work and counseling, all of those things. The Church is where people used to come, um, and to the institutions that the Church built for healing. And I think the Church, and I'm speaking broadly here of the Christian yeah. Church, the Catholic Church, the, you know, Evangelical Christian Church, um, churches that adhere to the Bible, um, have have somewhat farmed out some of that um, responsibility or the corporate health care and the corporate um, social work and the corporate counseling has, has kind of taken over for the faith-based one, and especially in the world we're living in. I, I caught the uh, question uh, from the last segment that was posed about students that are struggling with uh, gender identity, and if... if if those students or a woman who's had an abortion goes to a secular counselor or social worker or healthcare entity, um, more than likely they're going to get a secular worldview on how that abortion impacts them. Mm -hmm. A lot of times they're going to be told, oh, no, no, the abortion isn't the problem, or oh, no, you you did the right thing for yourself. When we know that, you know, Jesus himself said, the truth will set you free. They need to hear the truth, mm-hmm. and we know that the truth alone comes from God. So, um, I I hope I didn't hear off the question. I kind of feel like I did, but no, uh,
1: no, nope,
0: everything you're, everything you're saying is so right on. And I love that quote from that acquaintance of yours: "Abortion is a health crisis that the church is in a unique place to address." I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, Kate? Why don't you say a little bit about this conference that's coming up in Fargo later on this month?
2: Oh, I would love to. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Uh, so we are everywhere as a small nonprofit, um, but we um, became eligible for a one-time um, f- uh, amount of funding that had to be spent in a specific period of time. And I thought, what could I do with this fund? And I, this, I thought, I talked to a few people, and I thought it would be fabulous to pull together a conference designed to um, illuminate the various impacts of abortion on women for healthcare providers, for mental health care practitioners, for clergy, um, uh, for people who want to help, or, or but also who may not really fully understand the issue. So we have four tremendous speakers coming to Fargo on April 21st. Um, We have the um, CEO of the American Association of Pro-Life OBGYN, Christina Francis. Um, She's going to talk about, she's going to do an overview on reproductive choice. So basically she's going to talk about what the procedures of abortion are, what the physical outcomes can be. She's going to talk a lot about um, chemical abortion and also discuss abortion till reversal. Um, We have a, a counselor named Robin Atkins coming. Um, she's an experienced counselor who focuses on reproductive issues uh, all the way from infertility to infant loss including abortion. she's done a lot of public speaking. Um, she herself is a post-aborta woman and I think is going to address um, some of her personal experience and her her topic will be mental health and abortion. The third speaker is Kim Cattola, the one I told you about that wrote the book and 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 coined that phrase about, abortion being a public health crisis, she's going to cover spiritual health and abortion. She is actually a certified Christian chaplain. She's a speaker, writer, and um, broadcaster. So we're excited for her to come. And finally, we have a a researcher named Priscilla Coleman coming. Uh, Priscilla Coleman's a Ph.D., professor of human development and family studies uh, from Bowling Green University. She's done extensive research on the impact of abortion on mental health. As well as on mortality and interpersonal relationships, um, she's going to address some of the current research about the impacts of abortion, as well as risk factors for adverse post-abortion outcomes, and then bias that exists in publishing research on abortion and mental health. What what are the, um,
0: um, what are the specifics of the of the conference? I mean, everything yeah. you're saying is, is great. it's great. I huge. mean, how? I mean. With one quarter of the women potentially having experienced it directly, or one quarter of the people, this should be a full conference. And so how do people find out about (laughs) this conference? Yeah, is this a one-day,
1: multiple-day, is it breakout sessions?
2: It's a a one-day conference, and they're all general sessions, so everybody will get the same Same. information. Um, We do have a website. It's reproductivechoiceconference.com. Some people have thought that that sounds like it's a pro-choice conference. It is not. Um, We chose our language, I think, wisely. Um, Go ahead.
1: Is there a cost to it?
2: Yes, I'm sorry. Um, There is a cost of $100 um, to register. There is continuing education available for doctors, nurse practitioners, physician assistants, registered nurses, and social workers can all earn seven hours of continuing education for attending, and then licensed counselors are able to earn 1.5 hours.
1: And is how many people can attend this conference, Kate?
2: Okay. Uh, our, our drop dead number is 150, okay. and we're I, at about 95.
1: Wow, that's fantastic. And they can register online, I take it?
2: Yes. At okay. that website, reproductivechoiceconference.com.
1: dot com Okay, great.
0: Can they find out more on your website too? Don't you have a website? Um, um, we are everywhere. We are everywhere
2: dot life. Um, yes, they can. There's a link that'll take them right to the um, conference website.
1: So this sounds like a fantastic conference with great general sessions, a, a fantastic lineup of individuals for information for a very reasonable cost of one hundred dollars. You don't get yeah, that type of uh, information sign. presented to you at all um, in Fargo on the 21st. In, yeah, And folks can sign up. Where where in Fargo is it at?
2: It's at the Holiday Inn. Um, the Holiday Inn that's right on 13th Avenue off I-29 across from the mall. Okay,
1: easy for people to find. Great.
2: It is, yeah.
0: So what would you say if somebody is listening in right now, what would your what would your pitch be to come to that conference because it sounds like there's gonna be a lot of great value to the people that go to that. What's your commercial?
4: Well
2: okay so what I would say is that those of us who have lived basically in the pro-life world for a long time we, we un- there's things that we understand about abortion and things that we know about abortion. But then there's a layer of, pers- of people around us that they're, they're pro-life, but they're not immersed in it. And the prevailing authorities, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, um, Mayo Clinic, the CDC, um, all of the big medical authorities, for the most part, believe that abortion is healthcare and believe that abortion is needed and basically serve almost as advocates for abortion many people good christian people who attend our churches that are in healthcare fields do not even realize that organizations like the American Association of Pro-Life OBGYNs exist and don't realize the bias toward abortion that does exist in in those medical authorities that i mentioned that we have previously had such great trust in. If they come to this conference, they are going to hear the rest of the story, and they're going to hear the truth.
1: That the conference will change some people's lives, definitely, based on what I they
2: think. Hear. I think it. I think it really could.
0: And, you know, another ch- uh, challenge I think Kay, is something that I addressed a little bit earlier is that there's are some of these some people very faithful religious people are in denominations that are if not. Turn a blind eye to it, are actually somewhat supportive of abortion, and so if you're getting it from the religion side of things, that's even a harder mm-hmm. nut to crack.
2: It is, but one of the beauties of this conference is the, the the information that is being presented is going to be presented by science or be presented with science that can be backed up firmly by research. Each speaker that's coming has a has a robust list of references. Um, that they have pulled material from. So we're not saying I mean we believe abortion is wrong in the eyes of God, but we are with this conference right. we're saying look at what the research says about how abortion
1: can hurt women. Mm-hmm. So before we wrap up, the conference is on April 21st, so one-day conference for yes. $100. Uh, Folks can sign up online at the website of the reproductivechoiceconference.com. You have a website as well. We are everywhere, so people should be checking that out. And I know this was thought to be a one-time event due to the funding that you received, but will there be plans to try to do it again?
2: I would actually love to replicate this conference um, in a couple different places. Um, And so now I'm You know, I have to get through this one. Yes, yes. (laughs) But then... You know, just thinking and praying about what other sources of funding we could we could find. I do want to mention really quick: make sure that they go to weareeverywhere.life, L-I-F-E, um, because there are other We Are Everywhere
1: mm-hmm.
2: organizations out there that are not me.
1: Good oh. point. Weareeverywhere.life. Thank you
0: very much, yeah. Kay. This is this has been great, and I hope that a lot of people out in the Fargo area and even further out. Uh, Take advantage of this conference So Kate, uh, uh, great work uh, God's blessing on your important ministry That is more necessary than ever And so thank you for being with us today
2: Thank you so much for having me
0: God bless and have a happy Holy Week You too,
2: bye now
0: Thank you All right, we'll uh, continue this conversation Or I should say a different conversation Right after this break With Kristalina Everett Live, engaging, and local